0: Chapter Fourteenth of The Heart of Midlothian by Sir Walter Scott. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. The spirit I have seen may be the devil, and the devil has power to assume a pleasing shape. Hamlet witchcraft and demonology as we have already had occasion to remark were at this period believed in by almost all ranks but more especially among the stricter classes of presbyterians whose government when their party were at the head of the state had been much sullied by their eagerness to inquire into and persecute these imaginary crimes now in this point of view also st leonard's crags and the adjacent chase were a dreaded and ill-reputed district not only had witches held their meetings there but even of very late years the enthusiast or impostor mentioned in the pandemonium of richard beauvais gentleman had among the recesses of these romantic cliffs found his way into the hidden retreats where the fairies revel in the bowels of the earth with all these legends jeanie deans was too well acquainted to escape that strong impression which they usually make on the imagination indeed relations of this ghostly kind had been familiar to her from her infancy for they were the only relief which her father's conversation afforded from controversial argument or the gloomy history of the strivings and testimonies escapes captures tortures and executions of those martyrs of the covenant with whom it was his chiefest boast to say he had been acquainted in the recesses of mountains in caverns and in morasses to which these persecuted enthusiasts were so ruthlessly pursued they conceived they had often to contend with the visible assaults of the enemy of mankind as in the cities and in the cultivated fields they were exposed to those of the tyrannical government and their soldiery such were the terrors which made one of their gifted seers exclaim when his companion returned to him after having left him alone in a haunted cavern in sorn in galloway it is hard living in this world incarnate devils above the earth and devils under the earth satan has been here since ye went away but i have dismissed him by resistance we will be no more troubled with him this night david deans believed this and many other such ghostly encounters and victories on the faith of the ansars or auxiliaries of the banished prophets this event was beyond david's remembrance but he used to tell with great awe yet not without a feeling of proud superiority to his auditors how he himself had been present at a field-meeting at crockmaid when the duty of the day was interrupted by the apparition of a tall black man who in the act of crossing a ford to join the congregation lost ground and was carried down apparently by the force of the stream all were instantly at work to assist him but with so little success that ten or twelve stout men who had hold of the rope which they had cast in to his aid were rather in danger to be dragged into the stream and lose their own lives than likely to save that of the supposed perishing man but famous john semple of carsfarn david deans used to say with exultation saw the wap in the rope quit the rope he cried to us for i that was but a callant had a hand of the rope myself it is the great enemy he will burn but not drown his design is to disturb the good work by raising wonder and confusion in your minds to put off from your spirits all that ye have heard and felt so we let go the rope said david and he went adown the water screeching and bullering like a bull of bashan as he's called in scripture trained in these and similar legends it was no wonder that jeanie began to feel an ill-defined apprehension not merely of the phantoms which might beset her way but of the quality nature and purpose of the being who had thus appointed her a meeting at a place and hour of horror and at a time when her mind must be necessarily full of those tempting and ensnaring thoughts of grief and despair which were supposed to lay sufferers particularly open to the temptations of the evil one if such an idea had crossed even butler's well-informed mind it was calculated to make a much stronger impression upon hers yet firmly believing the possibility of an encounter so terrible to flesh and blood Jeanie, with a degree of resolution of which we cannot sufficiently estimate the merit because the incredulity of the age has rendered us strangers to the nature and extent of her feelings persevered in her determination not to omit an opportunity of doing something towards saving her sister although in the attempt to avail herself of it she might be exposed to dangers so dreadful to her imagination so like christiana in the pilgrim's progress when traversing with a timid yet resolved step the terrors of the valley of the shadow of death she glided on by rock and stone now in glimmer and now in gloom As her path lay through moonlight or shadow and endeavored to overpower the suggestions of fear sometimes by fixing her mind upon the distressed condition of her sister and the duty she lay under to afford her aid should that be in her power and more frequently by recurring in mental prayer to the protection of that being to whom night is as noonday thus drowning at one time her fears by fixing her mind on a subject of overpowering interest and arguing them down at others by referring herself to the protection of the deity she at length approached the place assigned for this mysterious conference it was situated in the depth of the valley behind salisbury crags which has for a background the north-western shoulder of the mountain called arthur's seat on whose descent still remain the ruins of what was once a chapel or hermitage dedicated to st anthony the eremite a better site for such a building could hardly have been selected for the chapel situated among the rude and pathless cliffs lies in a desert even in the immediate vicinity of a rich populous and tumultuous capital and the hum of the city might mingle with the orisons of the recluses conveying as little of worldly interest as if it had been the roar of the distant ocean beneath the steep ascent on which these ruins are still visible was and perhaps is still pointed out the place where the wretch nicol Mushat, who has been already mentioned in these pages had closed a long scene of cruelty towards his unfortunate wife by murdering her with circumstances of uncommon barbarity The execration in which the man's crime was held extended itself to the place where it was perpetrated, which was marked by a small cairn, or heap of stones, composed of those which each chance passenger had thrown there in testimony of abhorrence, and on the principle, it would seem, of the ancient British malediction, May you have a cairn for your burial-place, as our heroine approached this ominous and unhallowed spot she paused and looked to the moon now rising broad in the northwest and shedding a more distinct light than it had afforded during her walk thither eyeing the planet for a moment she then slowly and fearfully turned her head towards the cairn from which it was at first averted she was at first disappointed nothing was visible beside the little pile of stones which shone grey in the moonlight a multitude of confused suggestions rushed on her mind had her correspondent deceived her and broken his appointment was he too tardy at the appointment he had made or had some strange turn of fate prevented him from appearing as he proposed or if he were an unearthly being as her secret apprehensions suggested was it his object merely to delude her with false hopes and put her to unnecessary toil and terror according to the nature as she had heard of those wandering demons or did he propose to blast her with the sudden horrors of his presence when she had come close to the place of rendezvous these anxious reflections did not prevent her approaching to the cairn with a pace that though slow was determined when she was within two yards of the heap of stones a figure rose suddenly up from behind it and jeanie scarce forbore to scream aloud at what seemed the realization of the most frightful of her anticipations she constrained herself to silence however and making a dead pause suffered the figure to open the conversation which he did by asking in a voice which agitation rendered tremulous and hollow are you the sister of that ill-fated young woman i am i am the sister of effie deans exclaimed jeanie and as ever you hope god will hear you at your need tell me if you can tell what can be done to save her i do not hope god will hear me at my need was the singular answer i do not deserve i do not expect he will this desperate language he uttered in a tone calmer than that which he had at first spoken probably because the shock of first addressing her was what he felt most difficult to overcome jeanie remained mute with horror to hear language expressed so utterly foreign to all which she had ever been acquainted with that it sounded in her ears rather like that of a fiend than of a human being the stranger pursued his address to her without seeming to notice her surprise you see before you a wretch predestined to evil here and hereafter for the sake of heaven that hears and sees us said genie dinna speak in this desperate fashion the gospel is sent to the chief of sinners to the most miserable among the miserable then should i have my own share therein said the stranger if you call it sinful to have been the destruction of the mother that bore me of the friend that loved me of the woman that trusted me of the innocent child that was born to me if to have done all this is to be a sinner and survive it is to be miserable then i am most guilty and most miserable indeed then you are the wicked cause of my sister's ruin said jeanie with a natural touch of indignation expressed in her tone of voice curse me for it if you will said the stranger i have well deserved it at your hand it is fitter for me said jeanie to pray to god to forgive you do as you will how you will or what you will he replied with vehemence only promise to obey my directions and save your sister's life i must first know said jeanie the means you would have me use in her behalf no you must first swear solemnly swear that you will employ them when i make them known to you surely it is needless to swear that i will do all that is lawful to a christian to save the life of my sister i will have no reservation thundered the stranger lawful or unlawful christian or heathen you shall swear to do my hest and act by my counsel or you little know whose wrath you provoke i will think on what you have said said jeanie who began to get much alarmed at the frantic vehemence of his manner and disputed in her own mind whether she spoke to a maniac or an apostate spirit incarnate i will think on what you say and let you ken to-morrow to-morrow exclaimed the man with a laugh of scorn and where will i be to-morrow or where will you be to-night unless you swear to walk by my counsel there was one accursed deed done at this spot before now and there shall be another to match it unless you yield up to my guidance body and soul as he spoke he offered a pistol at the unfortunate young woman she neither fled nor fainted but sunk on her knees and asked him to spare her life is that all you have to say said the unmoved ruffian do not dip your hands in the blood of a defenceless creature that has trusted to you said jeanie still on her knees is that all you can say for your life have you no promise to give will you destroy your sister and compel me to shed more blood i can promise nothing said jeanie which is unlawful for a christian he cocked the weapon and held it towards her may god forgive you she said pressing her hands forcibly against her eyes damn muttered the man and turning aside from her he uncocked the pistol and replaced it in his pocket i am a villain he said steeped in guilt and wretchedness but not wicked enough to do you any harm i only wished to terrify you into my measures she hears me not she is gone great god what a wretch am i become as he spoke she recovered herself from an agony which partook of the bitterness of death and in a minute or two through the strong exertion of her natural sense and courage collected herself sufficiently to understand he intended her no personal injury no he repeated i would not add to the murder of your sister and of her child that of any one belonging to her mad frantic as i am and unrestrained by either fear or mercy given up to the possession of an evil being and forsaken by all that is good i would not hurt you were the world offered me for a bribe but for the sake of all that is dear to you swear you will follow my counsel take this weapon shoot me through the head and with your own hand revenge your sister's wrong only follow the course the only course by which her life can be saved alas is she innocent or guilty she is guiltless guiltless of everything but of having trusted a villain yet had it not been for those that were worse than i am yes worse than i am though i am bad indeed this misery had not befallen and my sister's child does it live said jeanie no it was murdered the new-born infant was barbarously murdered he uttered in a low yet stern and sustained voice but he added hastily not by her knowledge or consent then why cannot the guilty be brought to justice and the innocent freed torment me not with questions which can serve no purpose he sternly replied the deed was done by those who are far enough from pursuit and safe enough from discovery no one can save effie but yourself woe's me how is it in my power asked jeanie in despondency hearken to me you have sense you can apprehend my meaning i will trust you your sister is innocent of the crime charged against her thank god for that said jeanie be still and hearken the person who assisted her in her illness murdered the child but it was without the mother's knowledge or consent she is therefore guiltless as guiltless as the unhappy innocent that but gasped a few minutes in this unhappy world the better was its hap it be so soon at rest she is innocent as that infant and yet she must die It is impossible to clear her of the law. "'Cannot the wretches be discovered and given up to punishment?' said Jeanie. "'Do you think you will persuade those who are hardened in guilt to die to save another? Is that the reed you would lean to?' "'But you said there was a remedy,' again gasped out the terrified young woman. "'There is,' answered the stranger and it is in your own hands the blow which the law aims cannot be broken by directly encountering it but it may be turned aside you saw your sister during the period preceding the birth of her child what is so natural as that she should have mentioned her condition to you the doing so would as there cant goes take the case from under the statute for it removes the quality of concealment i know their jargon and have had sad cause to know it and the quality of concealment is essential to this statutory offence nothing is so natural as that effie should have mentioned her condition to you think reflect i am positive that she did woe's me said jeanie she never spoke to me on the subject but Grats sorely when i spoke to her about her altered looks and the change on her spirits you asked her questions on the subject he said eagerly you must remember her answer was a confession that she had been ruined by a villain yes lay a strong emphasis on that a cruel false villain call it any other name is unnecessary and that she bore under her bosom the consequences of his guilt and her folly and that he had assured her he would provide safely for her approaching illness well he kept his word these last words he spoke as if it were to himself and with a violent gesture of self-accusation and then calmly proceeded you will remember all this This is all that is necessary to be said but i cannot remember answered jeanie with simplicity that which effie never told me are you so dull so very dull of apprehension he exclaimed suddenly grasping her arm and holding it firm in his hand i tell you speaking between his teeth and under his breath but with great energy you must remember that she told you all this whether she ever said a syllable of it or no you must repeat this tale in which there is no falsehood except in so far as it was not told to you before these justices justiciary whatever they call their bloodthirsty court and save your sister from being murdered and them from becoming murderers do not hesitate i pledge life and salvation that in saying what i have said you will only speak the simple truth but replied jeanie whose judgment was too accurate not to see the sophistry of this argument i shall be man sworn in the very thing in which my testimony is wanted for it is the concealment for which poor effie is blamed and you would make me tell a falsehood anent it i see he said my first suspicions of you were right and that you will let your sister innocent fair and guiltless except in trusting a villain die the death of a murderess rather than bestow the breath of your mouth and the sound of your voice to save her i would wear the best blood in my body to keep her scathless said jeanie weeping in bitter agony but i cannot change right into wrong or make that true which is false foolish hard-hearted girl said the stranger are you afraid of what they may do to you i tell you even the retainers of the law who course life as greyhounds do hares will rejoice at the escape of a creature so young so beautiful that they will not suspect your tale that if they did suspect it they would consider you as deserving not only of forgiveness but of praise for your natural affection it is not man i fear said jeanie looking upward the god whose name i must call on to witness the truth of what i say he will know the falsehood and he will know the motive said the stranger eagerly he will know that you are doing this not for lucre of gain but to save the life of the innocent and prevent the commission of a worse crime than that which the law seeks to avenge he has given us a law said jeanie for the lamp of our path if we stray from it we err against knowledge i may not do evil even that good may come out of it but you you that can all this to be true which i must take on your word you that if i understand what you said even now promised her shelter and protection in her travail why do you not step forward and bear leal and soothfast evidence in her behalf as ye may with a clear conscience to whom do you talk of a clear conscience woman said he with a sudden fierceness which renewed her terrors to me i have not known one for many a year bear witness in her behalf a proper witness that even to speak these few words to a woman of so little consequence as yourself must choose such an hour and such a place as this when you see owls and bats fly abroad like larks in the sunshine you may expect to see such as i am in the assemblies of men hush listen to that a voice was heard to sing one of those wild and monotonous strains so common in scotland and to which the natives of that country chant their old ballads the sound ceased then came nearer and was renewed the stranger listened attentively still holding jeanie by the arm as she stood by him in motionless terror as if to prevent her interrupting the strain by speaking or stirring when the sounds were renewed the words were distinctly audible when the gled's in the blue cloud the lavrock lies still when the hound's in the greenwood the hind keeps the hill the person whose song kept a strained and powerful voice at its highest pitch so that it could be heard at a very considerable distance as the song ceased they might hear a stifled sound as of steps and whispers of persons approaching them the song was again raised but the tune was changed sleep oh, sleepy sound sir james she said when ye should rise and ride there's twenty men with bow and blade are seeking where ye hide i dare stay no longer said the stranger return home or remain till they come up ye have nothing to fear but do not tell you Sami, your sister's fate is in your hands so saying he turned from her and with a swift yet cautiously noiseless step plunged into the darkness on the side most remote from the sounds which they heard approaching and was soon lost to her sight genie remained by the cairn terrified beyond expression and uncertain whether she ought to fly homeward with all the speed she could exert or wait the approach of those who were advancing towards her this uncertainty detained her so long that she now distinctly saw two or three figures already so close to her that a precipitate flight would have been equally fruitless and impolitic End of chapter 14th.